Joining us on the How Did You Podcast today is Cal Thompson, a former camera operator turned podcast host who formed his own commercial video company in 2017. He currently acts as the director of photography. How are you doing today, Cal? I'm very well, thank you, mate. How are you? I'm not doing too bad, thank you. You said before this began that you were going to crack some jokes. What's your best joke? That's putting me on the spot. Okay, come back to me. I'll tell you something later. (laughs) Brilliant. But before everything happened, you were a lighting camera operator based in Manchester, was shooting worldwide and shooting mainly television commercials, web content and things like that. Was this something that you always wanted to do when you earned your degree from Staffordshire University? Pretty much, yeah. I started making films when I was 13. Um, believe it or not, the World War II short films and like any teenage boy I was making jackass films as well so that's kind of how I got into filmmaking was just messing around with friends we had no actors so we had to be in the films as well so we'd set up a tripod hit record, run in, either do a short film dressed as World War II soldiers or ride a bicycle into a hedge uh, or set ourselves on fire really really stupid dumb stuff that they tell you like, at the end of the show, it's, do not try this at home we're like, I'm going to try that straight away um, and I really enjoyed sort of playing around with cameras and cinematography and telling stories and all that sort of stuff. I did it all the way through my teenage years just as a hobby, basically. I studied maths, physics, and computing at A-level, so I wasn't interested in studying film. I wasn't, not that I wasn't interested, is that I wasn't really steered in that direction by anyone. My parents thought, you know, you need to go down a more academic route, and I just wasn't really that academic in that sense. It wasn't until my sort of final year in college when people were like, well, you make films on the weekends and your evenings. Why are you studying these studying these um, topics if it's not really what you want to do with your life and your career why don't you take a, an A-level in film studies and I did and I got an A straight away and loved it did a, did a short film did all the essays and stuff and had a, uh, an amazing experience so I was like well let's do this at university and most people think you know film production is some sort of Mickey Mouse course and I basically thought what are you talking about I'm going for it it's what I want to do um, I think it's because people don't really understand the industry and what it actually means and now that um, there's so much content and so many other avenues to make a living in video nowadays. It's not just you have to go work on a feature film or a soap opera. You can do so many other things that it's actually opened a lot of doors for a lot more people to take your Mickey Mouse degree and actually make a successful career out of it, doing some really cool stuff. You know, there's people making an absolute fortune on TikTok, for instance, and they are content creators. And that didn't exist certainly when I went to university, but certainly when my parents started talking about you know what what filmmaking was and what whether there was a job in that. So that was it. I went on to universities, did a four-year degree, met Dom Stevenson, who's had been on your podcast before. We used to play five-side football together. We were in the same classes together at university. Used to share a drink or two. Um, we're still really good friends to this day. I went to his wedding last year, and he's coming to mine this year. So we're really, really good pals, and he's doing really well for himself, you know, directing episodes of Corrie, and he's worked his way up. I went down a slightly different route after graduating. I kind of went more into camera operating as a freelancer. Um, I actually got a full-time job as a marketing representative for a summer camp organisation first because I graduated and went, oh, crap, what do I do? Like everybody, I wanted to move away from my family home, so I moved to Manchester. It was either Manchester or London um, for any kind of media jobs at the time. Moved to Manchester coldly, didn't know anybody, just went with two mates, we got a flat, and I got a full-time job as a marketing rep because I used to work at summer camps during university to teach sailing and stuff. So I was working from home, working for those guys, and when uh, I basically spent my evenings and weekends messaging other video production companies, um, other camera operators, just sort of building a network and, and 
investing in DSLR, started shooting corporate video content and weddings and all sorts of stuff. Basically anything I could do creatively that I was able to make a living off. And sometimes I was charging £50 a day, you know, to shoot. And then I was, if I got £150 a day, I was over the moon. Um, I did that for two years. So I had a full-time job and doing all this freelancing stuff on the side, trying to just figure it out, basically investing in equipment, putting all the money I was earning back into the business, as I suppose, at the time. Even though I didn't realise it was a business. I was a sole trader, but I had no idea what business was. I never learned how to run a business or anything like that. Um, but just kept kept snowballing, just worked hard and was a nice person to be around, basically. I tried my best to have a strong work ethic. And, and that sort of paid dividends. I did that for two years and then eventually went, I'm starting to turn down work now because people are asking me to do stuff midweek, um, various corporate jobs or commercial content. I, I wasn't available because I had a full-time job. So I effectively went, I've got enough money to survive a couple of months. I don't have any particular high outgoings. I live with my mates. So I was only t- maybe 23 at the time. I just So I just quit my job and said, right, I'm going to go freelance full-time. You know, if I can make a thousand pound a month, then I'm covered my bills, and uh, you know I can pay for my my contribution to the flat and the car, and which I didn't really drive many places, and I had enough money for a few beers. That's that's all it was, and it just kind of blossomed from there. And I just didn't, you know, when the FS7, Sony FS7 first came out, uh, it's probably about, is that about eight years old now. I was able to save up and invest in that, and then it was that kind of really accelerated my career a lot because. I was the guy with the FS7, which was a 4K broadcast camera that going from a Canon 6D to an FS7 was quite a big jump at the time. And I started marketing myself as a Sony FS7 camera operator. Um, got, a, got a website, got a freelance website, which was calthompson.com at the time, and that started to rank really well. So if people search for Manchester camera operator, I would often pop up first. Um, I had a YouTube channel as well, which I got a lot of leads through. So I used to make filmmaking tutorials, um, how to shoot day to night time lapse. I did how to operate a glide cam, which is way before gimbals and all these motorized handheld ones that people were using at the time. So it was all mechanical gimbals. If you search for uh, glide cam now on YouTube, my my stupid face will pop up on a video that was made eight years ago. It's got you know half a million views, <laughs> and it's how to operate this piece of tech. Um, and I still get paid by Google today, which is quite nice. I don't don't do the YouTube stuff anymore because it was just it's like a full time job. It's very time consuming to come up with the ideas write it, shoot it, edit it and put it out and then hope it hits and that people engage with it. It's, um, it's not probably way easier back then. I didn't even think about it at the, at the time. But um, So I just did broadcast camera operating for a couple of years. I had the FS7 and was just still networking, shooting, did, got a lot of repeat clients, um, was shooting branded content, corporate, still doing a couple of weddings on weekends. I'm just making a living in the industry. And then got to about 2017 and I was kind of getting a bit bit tired of just shooting content and handing it over to somebody onto hard drive and never seeing it ever again. I was like, I'd see him a month later. I was like, has that been edited? Is that, was that any good? It's just gone off to China somewhere. I don't know. There's no creative fulfillment really there for me. I was just like a gun for hire. I thought there's got to be something different that I can do here. So I decided to have my own production company called Dead Pixel Films. And then I, with the idea to sort of pitching ideas to clients, come up with concepts, shoot it, edit it either myself or manage the edit and do the whole process from start to finish. Um, and that alienated all of my clients almost immediately because my clients were other production companies. So I didn't fully think this through because <laughs> um, they were like, you've suddenly got your own production company, but you're also a freelance cameraman. You are our direct competition now. So that did change things somewhat. 
Um, so I had to do some certain projects for free. I went from being really, really busy as a camera operator shooting four or five days a week to that was just dwindling away because my clients were starting to see me as a threat and weren't using me as much, um, which was a little bit scary. But I started to just reach out to bigger businesses, bigger agencies, and, and direct a client and offer sort of a wider service. Um, and had a great showreel, great um, content that I got to be able to show them my skill set. And that's like bringing in work. And it probably wasn't until November 2019 when my uh, co-owner joined the company, Kieran Edwards. So we both own the company now. He joined. And that's when things really started to change. And we developed it into a much bigger business. Um, there's now five of us full-time. Um, we've got a full-time editor, uh, junior producer slash editor, motion graphics. I'm still the director of photography, so I'm still very much cameras, hands-on. I'm also a producer, obviously business owner, sales, HR, all that sort of stuff in terms of managing a team. And our projects range from like five grand to a hundred grand commercial projects. And we we manage the whole thing, either direct to client or for um, for creative agencies. They might come to us with a brief and say, This is the idea. We want to make a 30 second TV ad and loads and loads of social cut downs. It needs to be cast, it needs to need locations, we need crew, we need this super slow-mo camera, off you go. Um, and then we'll do all that work in the background, cost it up, produce it, shoot it, edit it, and deliver it, and do the whole the whole journey for them. So it sounds as if you're very busy, and I can completely relate to what you say. When I was in the path of going from school to college to university, I was told that if I worked in the media, I'd be working in a call centre in a few years. Completely negative. And... I want to know, because I always see your posts on LinkedIn since we connected. It's always fascinating projects, working with fascinating people. Do you have a favourite that you have? Like, is it something that's happened very recently, or was it the very first ones that you did, or is it even the Jackass films that you created as a child? Um, I've got tons and tons of favourites. Our, our core sectors are sports, lifestyle, food. Uh, so my background is sort of the sports filmmaking. It's not just like let's stand on the side of a football pitch. It was more action sports, filming motocross. Um, you know, I've hung out of a biplane before. Um, we did some friendly content for a wine company and we basically went up in this biplane, open top, little wooden slats and I had all my layers on because it, whilst it was, um, I think it was like 16 degrees on the ground, it dropped to minus six when you go in, went up into the air because of the altitude and the wind chill. There's no there's no cockpit or anything. You just open and I had my hand attached to the camera and I would just lean over the side. I had like a lanyard on and I was filming gliders. So it was gliders alongside our aircraft and we were filming this host and he was talking, um, you know, in, in, the, in the glider basically and then they went up and did the loop, loop and I was just filming the air-to-air stuff and then we'd get him on the ground and got all this really content. That was wicked. Um, definitely one that I remember um, I do a lot of cars as well, so I'm hanging out the back of cars. Well, I wear full body harness um, and do a lot of tracking vehicle stuff. So you might see it on Top Gear where they do they have like a big Russian arm with a camera on the back of it, and that'll be attached to another car, and the car will go side to side with something else. They can move the camera up and down and get these swooping shots. Basically, I do a poor man's version of that, which is sit in the back of a car with a body harness and a gimbal, and I can steer. And we basically have racing drivers in each car, and they're just have them on comms and just say, get as close as you dare. And I've had racing drivers touch my feet before. Um, you know, we'd worked with the world's drifting champion, a guy called James Dean, last year in Ireland. So we had a racing track for the full day. He can do 
a burnout of a whole racing track, which on a straight is very, very hard. So, you know, you imagine trying to keep it steady and not, you know, hit anybody or lose control. And, uh, yeah, he's, he's, like I said, he's, he's, he's a world champion. He's literally the best in the world for the last couple of years. He's unreal. Um, so filming with him was an absolute pleasure. Um, I've been fortunate enough to film with a few celebrities over the years and meet some really nice, really cool people. Um, is that, is that answer your question? Loads of projects. <laughs> I can completely understand why, because like you say, it's kind of like the thrill that you get from doing different things. Like some of the things that you would dream of doing is kind of happening through dead pixel films because you're able to make that happen with the clients that you have. But with that in mind, what is one thing that, that you're yet to work on that you wish to work on? Because like you say, been doing it since you were very, very young, doing lots of different things like riding into hedges. But is there one ideology or genre that you're yet to work into uh, i'd like to make a feature one day um ideally ideally a sort of nature or environmental focused documentary to get a feature on netflix is a goal and aspiration for myself i haven't got a topic yet i haven't stumbled across that um but one day that's what i would really love to do just do something that has a bit of impact and makes people think uh, you know documentaries like blackfish um Sea Spiracy, all those types of documentaries that just went huge and really made a difference to the way people sort of um, thought and went about their daily lives. And that's the power of filmmaking in terms of communicating an idea to the masses. I think that's really, really powerful. Um, and I'd love to do that one day. With that in mind, you've grown up with lots of different kinds of technology, kinds of evolutions of cameras and everything involved. What is your favourite piece of technology that you use whilst you shoot? Is it something as little as a certain kind of lens or is it a new evolution of a camera? Uh, the iPhone 13. <laughs> because I use it for everything. Um, I think the, the camera you have in your pocket is probably the most powerful thing you can have. It's not just a camera anymore. It's basically, it could be a computer, it could be a timekeeping facility, communications, everything. Um, but no, seriously, I, we own a Red Gemini. Um, 5k cinema camera so we shoot on that every week and that's probably one of my favorite toys we shoot a lot of super slow-mo content on the phantom vo4k which shoots a thousand frames a second we don't own one of those because they're a hundred thousand pound camera but we do rent one from the people in our building there's something called promotion hire just down the way um, when we rent the cameras as and when we need them and even that's still two grand a day plus lighting plus everything else so they're quite big high-end expensive projects but the effects you get are unreal um, and it only really works for anything with fast movements. So we do a lot of splashes or beer pours or, you know, we did like this computer where we had a flamethrower come on the back of it and that burst around at 1,000 frames. And, you know, without the right lights, it basically looks like pitch black. You might as well leave the lens cap on. So you need like big, heavy-duty HMIs quite close to the subject, diffuse the hell out of it, and then that will expose your image to shoot in, in super slow So maybe one day I'll, we'll, we'll buy a Phantom. That'll be fun. You might have seen like the slow-mo guys on YouTube and stuff. They're the, the sort of the early adopters of the super slow-mo content and it's become a bit more everyday, uh, but still very, very niche. You may see it like uh, your Whitley Neal advert when you were slicing lemons and stuff like that. It's featured heavily, but people don't understand how much effort really goes into things like that. But what is the main thing that you learn whilst being freelance or whilst having dead pixel films that you really, like, really didn't expect to learn? Um, things take a lot longer than you probably imagine um, and proper preparation 
it's prevents piss poor performance, so they say, it's the seven Ps. Um, you know, if you if you go into a shoot, the last thing you want to do is just go in blind and just turn up to it with a camera and say off you go. It happened to be a lot as a, as a freelance camera operator when I wasn't producing or planning the shoot. I would just get given a call sheet and say, be here at this time, do this, without much of a brief. So you just rock up with your kit and then you find out what you're doing the day with this interview. Or if you've got this special piece of kit, I bloody hope so. Um, otherwise you look like you're not prepared. And that happened an awful lot because there just wasn't the communication there. So that's something we try and do as a production company now. Let's brief everyone in so everyone knows exactly what they're doing. Have you got any specialist kit that you need? Um, does it need to be sourced about, you know, ahead of time, is it signed off by the agency or the client? Does everyone know what they expected? So you shouldn't have any um, crazy moments where you just get caught with your pants down. So I think that's one thing I've learned is just to hyper-communicate with everybody at all times so we all know what's going on. With that in mind, obviously you don't want to be caught with your pants down, but what would you say is the biggest conception that people have of people in the media? The biggest misconception? I mean, from our side of things as a production company, it's how you get the projects on board. Because we've travelled all over Europe in the last year, even with pandemic, you know, trying to slow us down, went to Norway, Sweden, Italy, Ireland, shooting tons and tons of car content. You've seen the stuff that I post on LinkedIn. Most of the projects we work on are really, really cool. Um, so we're very fortunate to be able to do that, but it's not luck. We work bloody hard to get to that point. And as soon as we post all this work, people are like, oh, can I just pet your head? How have you got that? It's, like, it's years and years and years of practice and graft to get to that point. It's not just send a few emails and say, have you got a gig? Um, it takes patience to, to look, hone your craft and be able to say the right thing and instill confidence in your clients that you're going to be able to do a good job. I think that's probably one thing that's undervalued a little bit. People think... No offence to graduates, but they don't get taught how to run a business or necessarily speak to clients. They get taught the technical skills and then they get pushed out into the big, bad world and say, off you go, go find a job. And people will ring us or email us every single day. So how, how can I, you know, have you got any jobs going? It's like, doing what? Because there's so many different jobs you can get in the film industry and so many different specialisms that you can do. And, you know, you, do you want to be a visual effects artist, do you want to be a runner, do you want to be a producer, do you want to be a camera operator, do you want to be a food stylist, could, could be anything, I'll, I'll do anything, it's like, well that's not, you know, I need more than that from you, so I think the big misconception is that people just think that because you've got a degree, you're automatically entitled to a job, and unfortunately that's not the case, um, certainly when we, we hire people, I mean I don't think anyone's really asked what degree I've got, but they certainly ask what, let me see your work, or your company's work. And, and then get you on the phone and let's have a chat and work out if you sound like you know what you're talking about. Because <laughs> you very quickly get, get an understanding and it's about, like I said, it's about instilling confidence with the people that you're talking with. I guess it's the kind of thing of you're not really experienced until you've actually experienced the job that you want to work in. Because yeah, you can do your degree and prove that you can, I guess, study it. But that's what I've found. I left university, didn't have a job. And just because I had a degree, I had a degree, sorry, it doesn't mean I was going to earn a job. But... With that in mind, there must have been people, like you say, people reach out to you, but who would you reach out to? Like, who do you look up to? Um, some of the big advertising agencies, I think. You know, the, the, the Adam and Eves of the world, and because if we work in commercials and advertising, there's some big, big companies um, out there, a lot in London, a lot of big agencies in Manchester that have just got some wicked ideas. You know, when you see a billboard or... Um, piece of content that comes out like how the hell have they made that oh, that's such a clever idea basically I want to be able to reach out to these bigger ad agencies um, and show what we can do as a production 
agency and production company um, and get involved in some of these really, really creative ideas um, and just, just make something that you sort of look at and go, amazing, that worked out brilliantly and I'm uh, really proud of that. I'm proud of most of our projects, um, but there's just ones that, you know, it's like a different idea. I just want to freak people out. I'd be intrigued to know that Dead, Dead Pixel Films has been a thing since 2017, which means it's nearing its five-year anniversary. And where do you see yourself or the company in an extra year's time or maybe in another five years' time? Because you've achieved quite a lot, but what is the ultimate goal? It's funny you say five years, because two of those were sat in a pandemic, panicking about whether we were going to be able to exist um, or pay our bills, which is a fun experience for everybody. Um, and everyone's, everyone's got their pandemic stories. And the first year I was in a transition period between freelancing and, and owning a company. So what, I feel, what says five years actually feels like two to me. So we still feel very much in our infancy. We're just sort of hitting the ground running now with the, the projects we're getting and the people we're working with. Um, but, you know, in, in five years' time, I see us being a sort of team of 10. Be nice or more. Um, there's some nice variety of skill sets within the company fun people to sort of be around. We do a thing called the Dead Pixel Day Out. So we try and do different activities. We've, we've yet to do one this year because it seems to have been pushed because of people's holidays or like work commitments. But Kieran and I hiked up Snowden for the day and just like shot the shit basically. Just talked about the business, where we see it going, all that sort of stuff. We go out for lunches with the whole team and we have dogs in the office. We're trying to just build a space and a culture that's not too corporate or stuffy and try and just do good work. Um, so that's all I sort of see ourselves in, I suppose, a couple of years. is a slightly bigger team um, so that me and my co-founder aren't having a cardiac arrest with the amount of work we have to do. And we just divvy that up a little bit um, and just have a, a fun environment that people want to come to work at. I feel like that's the way it's going nowadays. Like People want to either have a less corporate office or work from home because it's the kind of environment that people enjoy and when I guess you're enjoying work you've got the most creative freedom you can help it help have idea help ideate a lot better that's what I'm trying to say but if you had to name an autobiography predicting it now not knowing what's coming for the future what would it be called for me oh my god would anyone read that I don't <laughs> Callum Freddy's Big Journey. This is Freddy down here. Uh, Freddy's my dog, my best mate. Um, he comes to work with me every day. What would an autobiography name be? Filmmaking. Um, it's essentially creative problem solving. <laughs> Don't be a dick, you'll go far. There we go. There we go. Perfect. But with that all in mind, we're going to sum it up here because we've had a nice conversation and I want to know if you were to say, I don't know, whether it be giving advice to a new graduate or just somebody that you'd meet in an elevator or in a lift, that lovely, what is your elevator pitch? No. Um, if you had to give some bit of advice to somebody, what would it be and where would it come from? Okay, I'll start with film graduates. If, if you're a film graduate or media graduate of any capacity and want to work in content creation, as there's so many different avenues to make a living now, um, basically just start making stuff and start showing it to, to people that you admire um, reach out to as many people as you can people are busy so they will quite often ignore you um, but don't take that to heart that's just part of it we you know we get 10 emails a day for people looking for work it's not possible to have immense capacity to reply to all those people um, 
but you know you might get lucky on another day where I've got a bit of free time and I can get back to you so network constantly um, develop your skills and be able to showcase your skills but don't wait around for the work to come to you go out and do it yourself you know we used to shoot spec content before we even did it commercially to be able to prove to our clients that we can do it so rather than just saying oh yeah I can make you a super summer I just like get hold of the camera make something in your, in your bedroom if you have to put it together and then share it with the world um, and then the next person will come along I want a bit of that and I'd like to pay for it uh, or you just charge them for it you know don't even give them an option just say how much does it cost um, so that's more the, the advice for film graduates is, is start working now basically so, certainly don't wait until you if you can don't wait until you graduate if you're doing it in your second year third year get on set as a runner um, just, you know just start meeting people and learning the etiquette of, of the set and what your role is and just asking questions and meeting the right people um, and don't be afraid to like it tip because we've all done it I, you know I was first on set I got given a clapperboard I didn't even know what to do with it and someone went here you go I was like I don't, I've never seen this board in my life which sounds really trivial now and they said oh just clap it so someone went camera speed and I went clap and they're like you need to stand in front of the camera I was like oh my god I just felt like an absolute knob I was literally behind the camera in like a corridor somewhere to panic um, so I had to walk out in front of everyone and clap it you know everyone makes those mistakes because if you don't know you know how are you going to learn so just got to learn that way um, and then I suppose advice for sort of anybody looking for work or I suppose just general advice is be patient you know don't necessarily have to expect overnight success or to be graduating and suddenly work on these massive massive projects or the next Netflix documentary like it does take time and, and skill so just be patient with it be a nice person um, we've worked with plenty of dickheads in the past I'm sure everyone has and where are they now so we've just, you know, we just don't work with people like that. And, um, yeah, work hard, be a nice person. 